Hi, I'm Louise Ness, and this is In the Loop with Louise and Yasmin on 88.1 WCRX-FM Chicago. Right ahead, we're going to bring you up to date on some of the news stories you may have missed in your feed this week from Chicago and beyond. We dive into what's happening in the 2020 race for the White House, including a new candidate who just joined the race, a special baby's arrival across the pond, and there is some hope on the horizon for grads missing out on in-person commencement ceremonies. After that, Yasmin brings you an interview with Nick Forsyth, where they discuss his new film, Part of Me, in which he documents the mental health struggles of his college roommate. And then Louise chats with Eva Eig, host of the new Doing Better podcast, about what kind of coping mechanisms can ease stress through this crisis, and what kind of resources are available to you if you're struggling. And of course, as always, stick around to the end of the show to hear what Yasmin and I's favorite social media sensations were for this week. If you miss any part of the show today, you can find In the Loop with Louise and Yasmin wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WCRXFM so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show! We're really getting close to the end of the year, Louise. Yeah, I know. I know. I And I can't even imagine you're on such a different schedule than me right now with Ramadan going oh. on. Oh, yeah. I went to sleep at about 4.30 last night. Well, this morning, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're we're totally all there ready to go for this show. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's It, it doesn't feel like... It doesn't feel like 3 a.m. at all right now. (laughs) Um, Well, I guess we'll start off with something nice and light then just to get us going. Um, The 2020 election. Uh, (laughs) That's nice and light. Nice and light. Um, But it's interesting right now because we actually have a new candidate who's thinking about entering the field. Uh, He hasn't officially started a... Um, campaign yet, but just an exploratory committee. And that's going to be a former Republican representative of Michigan, now an independent, uh, Justin Amash, announced that he's launching an exploratory committee for the 2020 Libertarian Party. I think Americans need honest, practical leadership. They need someone capable in the White House. And what they're getting right now from both Trump and Biden is the same old, same old. Um, so that's really interesting especially since we kind of figured that we were going to be down to a two-person race at this point. And a couple of interesting things that uh, people should know about Amash is that he was um, or is a very vocal critic of President Trump. And the reason why he actually left the Republican Party um, right after the impeachment hearings because he was the first Republican to vote in favor of impeachment And um, that was a very partisan divide vote. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he does end up launching a campaign and how much attention it gets. And a lot of people are really talking right now about, you know, with a third candidate entering the race, could there be a spoiler effect, right? They were already a little bit worried about that with Bernie Sanders because of what happened in 2016 with Bernie Sanders supporters, Um, sort of some of them voting for Trump, some of them writing in Senator Sanders, and some of them um, just not voting at all. So that that was, um, that became sort of a spoiler. But now they're wondering, with a third person coming in, is that person going to be a spoiler for one of the candidates, either Biden or Trump, and um, cost them the election? 
Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Another, a couple other things on the political side. Um, we did recently have a primary, which I know those are on hold right now, but some states are holding them by mail. Um, and Joe Biden did win Ohio's primary. And then right after that, Hillary Clinton came out and endorsed him. So he's had a lot of, um, of recent endorsements trying to sort of prop up his campaign a little bit, um, especially since, you know, it's really hard to try and create a media buzz when you're just sitting in your basement, you know, when you're not out doing uh, campaign events and rallies and giving speeches and stuff. Um, so those endorsements have become sort of the the best way that he gets into the news at this point. So yeah, because so you're not really hearing much about the election anymore. I mean, no. here and there, yes, but with this pandemic, it's really hard to stay focused on it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And that's that's a big problem for Biden's campaign, too, is, you know, Trump has a press conference that he goes to every single day that gets a lot of coverage, and Biden has to compete with that. You know, he has to compete for that airtime. And right now the race for the White House just isn't, it just isn't at the top of the newsreel, you know? It is not right. of utmost importance at the moment, um, right. especially when we're, you know, covering all of this coronavirus news. So I guess we can move on to the next bit of news that we have for you guys. Um, it's sort of related to, to COVID-19, but it's a lighter take on it. Um, but UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson and his uh, fiance Carrie Simmons, just announced the birth of their baby boy. Um, there's no name announcement yet, so I was a little bit disappointed. But it, it was sort of an a scary thing because both of them were earlier in earlier in the year um, were both diagnosed with COVID-19 and uh, Boris Johnson to the point where he was in the ICU for a little bit and away from uh, his fiance is like very pregnant fiance. Um, so I can't imagine how scary that must have been. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also scary um, for a woman to be pregnant during this time, too. And if they were to contract the virus, I'm, I'm sure it's even harder. I mean, I, I know people who have had children before and they've had, you know, hard time breathing in their later terms of pregnancy. Definitely. So that must have been a really big challenge for her as well. Yeah. Yeah. And also just for new parents right now, I can't imagine, you know, everybody keeps talking. I don't know what you think about this, but everybody keeps talking about, you know, there's going to be no going back to pre-COVID life, right? Like everything right. about our lives changes after this. And I wonder for new parents, you know, those who are watching their their toddlers in their apartments, you know, waddle around or those who are bringing new babies into the world like um, the prime minister is. I wonder how they're feeling about the state of the world right now and what they're bringing their kids into. Yeah, I I don't know. That's actually a really good thing to bring up because, you know, newborns, they need to get their, I mean, some people disagree, but like they need to get vaccines. They, you know, they need to be protected because their immune systems are so, you know, fresh and new, mm -hmm. but um, it's it's a scary time period for everybody, but you know, we have to make sure that newborns are also being protected as well. So how exactly could somebody protect 
their newborn during a crisis like this? That's a good question. Well, one thing I did see um, was a few a few weeks ago in Thailand, there was a photo going around about how there were babies in the nursery, brand new um, babies who had little tiny face shields. And they were so cute. But um, I guess I just mean too, culturally, you know, are the children that come up after this going to have the same kind of childhood that the rest of us did, you know? Right. Like, I I think of, like, going to the playground, you know, every flu season, is it going to be, like, everybody's got to wear gloves and a mask, um, right. go to the playground, or, or, you know, it's sort of like this, just this moment of global disarray and fear a little bit. There is a lot of coming together right now. I, I do see that. There's a lot of coming together, but there's also a lot of separation and isolationism and a lot, a lot of things are changing. And for new parents, that must be challenging to try to figure out, you know, how am I going to hold my kid's hand through all of this, you know? Right. When you can't hold hands anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a bad joke. But um, no, I get it. Especially for like first time parents too. Mm-hmm. You know, like they always, they always stereotype the first time parents as like clean freaks and yeah. <laughs> whatnot. So it's like, they're probably like double that right now. Totally, totally. Well, my mom always says, um, with me at least, I was the second baby. And she's like, the second kid bounces, it's fine. (laughs) Oh, you were tough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I guess we, we can move on to the next thing too. And I thought that maybe you would be excited about this. Um, Oprah. Oprah, yes, Oprah. Um, So maybe you should, so we ended up, our graduation, we're both graduating, and our graduation got pushed back to 2021, except there is an online um, graduation going on on the 15th of May, just for Columbia students, right? I believe it's my department. Okay. Um, So, I mean, I received an email um, about a zoom mensmans i believe that's actually what the subject line was um <laughs> and i got really excited because i have this like projector and screen in my house and mm-hmm. i like to like watch movies on it with my family so the first thing i thought of was oh my gosh i'm gonna put this on my driveway like my family actually wanted to do it they were like we're gonna put it up on the driveway and your relatives are gonna come sit in their cars and watch you graduate and it's gonna be great and it's going to be yeah. better than going to the ceremony, according to them, because everybody gets to come. <laughs> so, our neighbors are probably going to hate us that day. And yeah, we're really excited. And now we just heard that the class of 2020 is, we're getting some big names for our graduation. Um, so Facebook and Instagram are hosting a graduation live stream. And it's going to be a multi-hour streaming event under the hashtag graduation 2020 on May 15th at 11 a.m. And the commencement speaker is none other than Oprah Oprah Winfrey. Winfrey. (laughs) I love Oprah. I, you know, I am so, she has done commencement speeches in the past, but I feel like they've been for a lot like um, Ivy League institutions or something it's pretty I think it's pretty cool 
that all of us, you know, high school and college, we get this huge name that's going to be addressing us as one group, you know, in this time when we're so separated and we're so isolated, it's going to, I feel like that for our generation is going to be just like a great coming together moment, you know? Oh, I definitely agree. And I, and as as upset as I was about, you know, graduation being, you know, canceled due to the pandemic. At the same time, nobody's going to forget this, this graduation. No, this is a historic moment. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. And, and so she's also going to be joined by a couple of other, um, guests. So we have Aquafina, Lil Nas X, Jennifer Garner, uh, Simone Biles, and then Miley Cyrus is going to be the special musical guest. So it really yeah. doesn't, I mean, that's just like, for I feel like for our generation, that's like the litany of the saints celebration um, of celebrity. It's going to be it's going to, I think, I think it'll be great. Yeah. I wonder if Miley Cyrus is going to sing the climb. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. I think it'd be, it's fitting. I would say it's fitting. Oh yeah, it is. Um, I'll, I'll have to like, try not to cry. Um, it'll be better than her singing like 23 or. <laughs> she comes in with a wrecking ball. She'll be like, yeah, that's how, that's how we're feeling. Oh, gosh. And uh, just to close out, I guess just to close out our news section, we have a little fun story. I don't know about you, Yasmin, but one of my favorite things in the entire world is fried potatoes. Yes. They, you know, it's, it's truly God's creation. Um, (laughs) Truly. And also, um, my dad, shout out to my dad, has worked in um, the French fry business for years. And so I've probably eaten more French fries and fried potatoes and tater tots than anyone I know. I'm also from Idaho, so it's very near and dear to my heart. Oh, Idaho. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, so in Belgium, there's a... um, a potato industry group that has been asking people in Belgium to eat French fries at least twice a twice a week as a civic duty, um, due what? to due to a large surplus. Um, so they have a huge stock of frozen French fries right now, which I'm assuming they have because you know stadiums are closed, um, restaurants are closed, you know, so they have all of this you know, all these extra French fries. And they're like, can you please help us eat all of these? (laughs) And they're even reaching out for international help now. And I'm like, if y'all needed help eating French fries, just call up the Americans because we can help you. I can eat like six baskets of fries and still be hungry. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, what do you have a, do you have a preferred dip? Not ketchup. I actually really like dipping my fries in ranch, as weird as it sounds. Okay. No, no, no. That's totally acceptable. If you would have said mayo, I would have had to end this show. Oh, gosh. No. Ew. There's a lot of people that say mayo. Really? I mean, okay. Um, Being Middle Eastern, sometimes we put um, french fries in our, like, shawarma sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really good. Yeah. But that's, we put, like, mayo-type sauce in there, but it's not actually mayo. 
So I'm kind of judging, but my favorite dip for French fries is a thing that was invented in Idaho called fry sauce. And I know a lot of people have it in different places. They call different things, but it's, um, it's half, it's one part ketchup, one part mayo mixed together. It's amazing. It's so good. Oh, I think, um, my sister-in-law works for Kraft Heinz. Yeah. Um, and they, they have this dip called mayo chip. So it's like ketchup and mayonnaise mixed together, but they call it, I think it's mayo chop actually, not chip. Yeah. But that's like what they call it, but it's really good. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's amazing. It's just like, it's just like cheap aioli. It's so good. Yeah. So what, what do we have? Oh gosh, now I'm hungry. <laughs> so uh, what, do, what do we have coming up next on the show from you? So I'll be talking with our fellow colleague, Nick Forsyth, who is putting out a documentary film called Part of Me, uh, which is talking about the battles of mental health. And it follows one of our other colleagues um, for over the course of a couple of months. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, we're going to have a really deep conversation about it and the importance of mental health. What about you, Louise? So for my section of the show today, I'm going to be talking with Eva Eig, uh, who's also one of our classmates, about her new podcast called The Doing Better Podcast. And um, we're going to be talking about uh, some tips people can use to relax and manage their stress while they're cooped up in the house right now. Um, and yeah, so that's going to be pretty great. She's awesome. I would definitely recommend sticking around for that interview. All right, and we'll see you also at the end of the show today to find out what our favorite social media sensations were for the week, just like every week. Of course, it's our favorite part of the show. And with that, we'll be right back here on 88.1 WCRX-FM Chicago. Great filmmakers and writers have graduated from Columbia. In current times, senior Nick Forsyth has been working on his documentary film, Part of Me, for over a year now. The film follows his roommate, Ethan, who has a tough battle with mental health. Nick walks us through the process of creating the film and how it changed his life. And joining with me now is senior cinema arts and science major Nick Forsyth to talk about his upcoming documentary film, Part of Me. Hey, Nick, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's so it. nice to talk to you. I mean, we've taken a couple of classes at Columbia together. Um, we've been able to see each other, yeah. you know, grow throughout this process. So it's really great to, you know, hear a little bit about your upcoming work. So can you tell us a little bit yeah. about your upcoming film? So the film is about my roommate, Ethan. He was also in the communications department. And the film is about um, his battle with depression all throughout his um, sophomore year. Or actually, no, not his sophomore year, his junior year of college. Um, and the, basically, the film kind of explores the part of his life where his depression was kind of at its peak. Um you know, it was um, originally when I made the film, I I know that like a lot of my friends deal with mental health issues, um, Ethan in particular, because we're really close friends and he's also my roommate. And he's been very open with me about, you know, his battle with depression and mental health. Um, so originally what I was going to do is 
I was going to make a film just on depression itself and kind of like use Ethan as like a little anecdote. But after filming his interview and, you know, the way that he opened up to me about, um, you know, his mental health struggles, I realized then that the film is about Ethan. You know, the film isn't about everybody else or depression as a whole. The film is about Ethan. And I used Ethan's story to basically highlight the issue of mental health with young people. And the whole reason that I wanted to make the film is because I feel like, um, today mental health especially in young people is not really talked about a lot or it's brushed aside like oh you know like the boomers will say oh everybody in the young generation has anxiety or depression you know everyone's just a snowflake but you know i use i wanted to make this film to show people that no like mental health especially in our generation is a big deal and it's a real problem um and it needs to be taken seriously um so I basically made the film as a way to use Ethan's story as a way to kind of, you know, give light to the issue itself, if that makes no, sense. No, it definitely makes sense. Would you say that um, maybe some people view mental health struggles as a form of like taboo per se? Like they don't take it as seriously. They think it's... The issue itself is not brought to light enough. Um, and I feel like you know, it is taboo, but also combined with the fact that, you know, people don't take it seriously. Um, and that was the reason why I made the film. Right. And do you think that that's something that makes this film relatable to others? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, everyone who's seen the film has told me that it's very relatable because, you know, we all, I mean, that's another thing is we all go through our own mental struggles at some point in our lives. Like one of the big things that I do as a storyteller and as a filmmaker is I like to highlight subjects that, you know, I feel don't get enough attention, but are also relatable to a lot of people to China to try and like bring people together. That's kind of like my goal as a storyteller. So I feel like, you know, mental health is a thing that's not talked about enough, but it's something that we all deal with, you know, whether it's big or small, um, actually making this film helped me come to terms with my own mental health you know I'm the kind of person that like pushes everything to the side buries my feelings I kind of like try and work through everything I'm a very pragmatic person but you know making this film kind of made me realize like okay like it's okay to feel down sometimes and you know there are some days where I don't even want to get out of bed and then I think to myself like wow like maybe I am depressed a little bit um, and you know it's okay to like recognize the way that you're feeling, like the way you feel, no matter what it is, your mental health struggles, that's all valid. And you should be allowed to talk about it and be taken seriously about right. it. Right. And actually something I wanted to ask you was, would, would you say that during your process of creating this film, you've changed as a person? I've definitely changed a little bit. Um, I definitely grew closer to my roommate, Ethan. Um, you know, he's one of my best friends. And, you know, I really just can't thank him enough for, you know, having the courage to, you know, tell his story to the entire world and, you know, to be so open about his struggles. And it's definitely changed me as a person because it, it is it's inspired me to be a better person, to be uh, more open-minded, to be, to, you know, deal with my own, you know, mental health struggles. So yes, I would say making this film has definitely changed me in a good way. Right. So let's talk about the process of creating this film. What went on to create the film? So like I was talking about a little bit before, um, originally I was going to make a film about just the topic of depression and use 
you know, the friends that I knew that dealt with it as little anecdotes. So like have a, a couple minute segment on, you know, my one friend, then do two or three minutes on another friend, then maybe do a couple minutes on another. But then, you know, I did the first interview with Ethan, um, which is the interview in the film, which is the main driving force behind the film. And then I realized to myself, okay, so Ethan is the main story now. You know, it's not a film about depression. It's a film about Ethan and his struggle with depression. Um, so basically, after I shot the interview, the interview was the very first thing that I shot of the film. And from there, I really just centered my whole process from there on out around Ethan as a character. Um, so all of the footage is so then all the footage that I got after that was all of Ethan. I followed him around in his daily life in class in his teaching job or not his teaching job, but his uh, his TA job. And then, um, you know, there's there's a point where the, the film kind of really takes a turn. And that was like a really, you know, big moment of the film because, you know, we were filming for a while. And then there was a point actually where Ethan got sent to the hospital because he had become suicidal. And that was a big turning point for the film because that was something that like, you know, we had already pretty much gotten all of the footage, but then that happened. And then we're like, oh no, we have to go back and get more footage now because this major thing just happened. And then it, the film from there kind of takes like a, takes like a conclusion because basically um, towards the end of it, Ethan kind of realizes like, you know, he had been burying a lot of this, what is what he's been dealing with for a long time. And it kind of just came all at him at once. So, you know, the process was, was it, it went through a lot of iterations, you know, from going to be a film just about depression to being a film about Ethan and then thinking that you're all done and then this major thing happens and then the film totally changes from there. Um, so it was, it was quite the process. And then, you know, from there, it's kind of just the doc focuses on one point of his life. And then, you know, it went through post-production um, for a semester um, and over the summer as well. So, and then it was finished and now we're currently in the distribution phase. So the film, we've been working on the film for an entire year and uh, I'm just excited for it to finally come Would out. Would you say that it was hard to create a film about one of your close friends or would you say it made you a little bit more comfortable producing this kind of a film yeah well it definitely i was basically i was treading i felt like i was treading on thin ice because i i was uncomfortable at first making a film about one of my best friends because i didn't want him to feel like i was exploiting his struggles you know to make a film or to get a grade or to make money i didn't want to like I, I didn't want to like use his struggles as something for my own gain. I wanted to make sure that I did the film right. I did the subject matter justice because going into the film, I really was kind of unaware of how big the mental health struggle was. And, you know, as you asked me before about, you know, has the film made you a better person? Uh, it definitely has because, you know, it made me realize, you know, how important of an issue it is. And, um, it was definitely difficult to, you know, make a film about one of my best friends because, you know, we were such close friends and I didn't want the film to damage that in any way. Um, so, you know, making the film, I would periodically check in with him, like ask him, you know, is this okay? You know, are you okay with this? You know, do you want me to cut something out because you don't want to talk about it? And Ethan was very open and receptive, um, which I can't be 
you know, more grateful for. Um, and I think it makes the film much better um, because if he had decided to, you know, not say something, not be completely open, then, you know, that might be a missing piece of the puzzle um, at the end of the film. Um, but I think, um, you know, Ethan being an open subject, being an open book, being so willing to talk about his struggles really made the film really strong. And I think I was able to, you know, do the subject matter justice, which was the whole goal from the beginning is to, you know, make a film, make it serious, have people take this subject matter seriously because they watch this film. If that No, makes sense. I think that makes perfect sense. And I'm really excited to be able to check this film out. But that leads me to my next question. Where could we see your film? The film will be on the Manifest Rises digital platform. Um, they're currently working out all of the ins and outs of what that platform is going to look like. But I know that it will be available on the Manifest Rises website for a certain amount of time. I'm not exactly sure you know, how long it will be on the website. But from May, I believe it's May 12th through the 15th that week, it will be on the Manifest Rises page. And you can view it for free, um, obviously. But then after that, um, eventually the film will get taken down once the web page closes. Um, and then it will be submitted to, it's been submitted to various film festivals across the country. So if it, uh, you know, if it makes it in, you know, be sure to stay tuned and you can come see it at a film festival. And then, you know, once the film does its festival run, then I'll release it for free online. This is very exciting. I'm very happy for you. I can't wait to see where you, you know, end up Thank after you. graduation. I really have a lot of faith in you. Um, Thank you. That means I'm a so lot. excited for you. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Eva Eig is the host of the Doing Better podcast. On the show, she interviews different guests about how to cope with hardship and stress in a healthy way. And if you know Eva at all, you know the show isn't going to be G-rated. She likes to have fun and throw in an expletive here and there. She's so awesome, and we got into a Zoom call to discuss different methods people can turn to to cope with this crisis that we're all going through. Also, how to keep from being harsh with yourself and where to find help if you need it. So with my show, uh, I created it because I think it's really important that people have the access to learn about healthy coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people deal with their emotions or they react certain ways or see things certain ways and they just deal with things in, in ways that aren't healthy and aren't good for them or the people around them. And, um, you know, I, everybody's learning how to be a better version of themselves and be more level-headed, I think. And if we can help ourselves and other people around us by learning how to do these things in a healthy way, that it just will make, honestly, it'll make the world better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and that's what I do is I just bring, um, I have guests that uh, teach us about um, different coping mechanisms that are healthy. So I'm not going to be talking about, you know, like, drinking and and those things for uh taking a load off i'm going to be talking about uh my second episode is about laughter yoga which is an out-of-the-box cool. way to yeah like get you know get out of your head for a minute and practice some mindfulness and have some fun so 
that's that's kind of the goal here is to bring healthy coping mechanisms to people in an accessible way. That's awesome. And and in I guess through this pandemic on the Doing Better podcast, you haven't really had a lack of material to talk about. Um, I think all of us have been kind of angling our content towards what's going on with the pandemic. And in terms of what you were talking about with finding healthy coping mechanisms, like how is this pandemic affecting people mentally and emotionally? So there, there are a couple things going on right now uh, that I'm seeing the most of. Uh, and one of those things is how much pressure people are putting on themselves or getting from outside sources to be productive during yes. this time. And Productivity can look different for everybody, like getting in the best shape of your life, becoming a master chef, learning a new language and, you know, having your house be spotless all the time. That's, that's a lot to live up to, mm-hmm. a lot to live up to. And a lot of people are still working from home. And you and I are students that are, are having to keep up with our assignments. And, and people have children. <laughs> yeah, like, like, who is sitting around with literally nothing to do? I mean, maybe... Right hired dad like (laughs) but like as a student I'm still working my butt off and uh even more so now to keep up with all the online posts and parents are you know having to work from some of them having to work from home and having to teach their kids and uh just adapt to all this new stuff going on um I feel that we need to remember that we've just had a sudden drastic life change all of us have Like, Mm -hmm. if you're not feeling up to doing a lot of things, that's because you're grieving. We are grieving. We Mm -hmm. are grieving the life events that we're missing out on, like graduations, like like us, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, People are, you know, they've been planning their weddings for, what, like a year or so, some people, and... Uh, and now we're having funerals uh, virtually, and it's it's such a huge loss. We've really had a loss of normalcy, and we have no idea what to expect now. We don't know what the future holds in so many respects. Right. right. And like, it's okay to feel overwhelmed, anxious, and unmotivated. This is a crazy, wild, unpredictable time, mm-hmm. and that's something that. I think people need to remember uh, this isn't just like free vacation time, you know? Right, right. I think that's something I've been talking about with guests constantly is just how can we take the pressure off of ourselves? I think at the beginning of this whole crisis, we saw so many posts on social media saying, you know, oh, Newton wrote this great book while he was in quarantine or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Um, trying to hold ourselves okay. to those same standards, mm-hmm. you know, but, but what are better ways that you've been exploring through your podcast that people can deal with the emotions that they're having right now? So something, um, there are ways that we can cope with these feelings that we're having in a healthy way, which is, you know, what I focus on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning about it for myself and I want to share that information with other people. So these are things I go to in uh, on my podcast and go into on my podcast and on the podcast Instagram. So what I do is I talk to therapists and I scour the internet looking for this information and things that I have found that work personally for me. Um, 
and it's seen frequently on lists of ways to cope with stress. I mean, you know, in quarantine or not, uh, is journaling. Journaling, I find to be incredibly helpful. Uh, mm -hmm. I love to write. And writing about your thoughts and your feelings can help you face them and get past them because eventually you're just going to get tired of writing about them and thinking about them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, getting it on a piece of paper, whether that's whether you want to write a journal entry or, you know, write a song. Like writing about these feelings is an incredible way to get it out of your system. Um, another example of something that people can do right now is uh, take tasks that seem large, like cleaning your closet or projects that you're working on, and break them into smaller tasks. Um, creating a to-do list with these smaller tasks and, uh, and celebrating your victories, no matter what the size, I think is very important. Um, there, uh, there is a book that I have, uh, it's by Ross Gay, and it is called The Book of Delights. And he, he writes these short essays on things that have delighted him throughout his day. And uh, I think that that's sort of a special thing. Uh, I really enjoy the things he finds delight in, like yeah. different plants and um, just small things that happen in your day, small memories that you have, something that you see that sparks a good memory. Um, those are always just like fun and fun to appreciate. Uh, for me, uh, you know, we both live in Chicago uh, and in my neighborhood at 8 p.m. since the quarantine has been going on, we flash our lights out our windows and we create a DIY light show to show solidarity cool. with essential employees and each other. Yeah, it's it's really fun. That's and awesome. one night, yeah, dude, this was great. You would have loved this, Louise. <laughs> so, uh, there were a couple guys that came out one night. Uh, it was on like a Saturday night um, and they played one of them had a saxophone and one of them had a trumpet and they played it on their balcony for the neighborhood to listen to. And it was like, yes, it was so dreamy. Aww. It was just like, oh, this is like, why can't every night in the city be like this? This is so great. That's, yeah, no, seriously. I think, I do think that after we come out of this, there's two ways we could go. We could either go we all continue with this, this realization that we do need each other. Yeah. You know, or we could go back to sort of the disregard that we had before, which, you know, I'm hoping that it goes one way, but you never know. Um, and, and on a more serious note, um, I've been thinking a lot too about it's one thing to be bored, you know, mm -hmm. you can deal with boredom. But there are a lot of people who are going into this right now who are already coping with mood disorders, mm -hmm. like depression and anxiety and um, other mood disorders like that. Um, do you know if there are resources out there for people who are dealing with that kind of thing? So what's excellent right now um, is a lot of therapists are doing virtual meetings with their clients. I know I've been doing that with my um, with my therapist from home back in Maryland, uh, there are certain laws that have been lifted so that um, so the therapist can do this now, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And um, on the first episode of my podcast, uh, I talked to a clinical mental health counselor Fatma Hashmi, and she actually talked about. Um, I asked her questions about how to find affordable therapy. Um, how to find one that is right for you. And uh, it's really, and, and to take away some of the stigma that comes with that. I mean, this is 
a very challenging time. And if you feel like you need to reach out to somebody, you should just, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just do it. So uh, that's something that I think um, can really help people. I know that it helps me to talk to somebody that's outside of the ring. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I've found that's really helpful. Uh, if you're not looking for a therapist, uh, um, sort of what I was talking about uh, just now about finding uh, moments to be grateful for, maybe writing down what you're grateful for. Um, There are bits of brightness in the dark, and I feel that recognizing those moments is paramount in remembering what makes life so special. Because right now, it can be difficult to remember what makes life so special because we are not, we're not living the way we should be. (laughs) Yeah. You know? So I think uh, listening to a book, journaling, reaching out to a therapist, reaching out to family, making sure that people know that you're okay and you know that other people are okay. Um, There are lots of different ways that uh, we can deal with this kind of thing. With anxiety, you can learn breathing exercises. There are apps. Uh, I use Headspace Mm -hmm. and they give you um, uh, guided meditations and calming music to listen to. Uh, I listened to one that had, it, it was very strange. It was like a calming story that was like sort of like a, a bedtime story for adults like it was sort of strange like <laughs> that <sounds> awesome <laughs> yeah it was kind of cool but it was also kind of like well this is what I'm doing like and it's just like it was a calming story uh about um describing uh, it's like a rainy day and you're going into an antique store and describing mm. things that are in that antique store and it really the writing for that was great and the soundscape as uh as our our friend dave burner would say as our professor dave burner would say really yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was really good um just with rain sounds super relaxing yeah Um, so i i enjoyed that that's something that you can look up to yeah yeah so where where can we find your show my show is on apple podcasts uh it's also on spotify it's a little more difficult to find on spotify right now and then i have it on my hosting site which is buzzsprout it is the doing better podcast um i do want to touch uh before before we wrap up uh the part of this part of the interview um there there are things that i wrote down uh for for this specifically that i wanted to mention and uh these are tips that if you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious uh, like I said, there are the apps that you can use, and if you don't feel like downloading an app, uh, you can go on YouTube, and there are long videos of calming music and people teaching breathing exercises, which is incredibly helpful with anxiety. Um, people leading meditations on there, too. Uh, we've got resources thanks to technology, and I really encourage people to take advantage of them. Reach out to your family, write letters, light a nice smelling candle. Uh, yeah. I saw you lighting some incense earlier that you were really yes. enjoying. I've been obsessed. <laughs> uh, rest. We don't need to be busy all the time, um, especially when we're already so stressed out about our lives. And mm-hmm. if we're going to get sick with something that is possibly, uh, you know, a lethal thing to have, uh, a good tip is to take a shower. If you're feeling stuck in negative thoughts, just changing your, um, giving, giving your senses another source of um, stimulation, you know, just, just changing that uh, sort of surrounding for yourself can be very helpful. Uh, 
Um, you can also watch or listen to something that makes you laugh and open up your windows, let in fresh air. It's, you know, the fresh air is incredibly helpful. Uh, and all these things are things that you can do that'll help soothe you during this time. Uh, even when we aren't in a, in a pandemic, these things are helpful. Uh, walking my dog every day has been really good for me. And yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and podcasts you know, podcasts and radio shows and audio documentaries. And um, I've been binging the uh, Sibling Rivalry podcast, which is <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, with Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange. And um, they are so funny. And if you're into that uh, sort of drag race world, RuPaul's Drag Race world, then you'll love their guests and their jokes. And um, yeah, also... Uh, also audiobooks i've been listening to uh the subtle art of not giving a f which i guess is the uh proper way to put that on a radio show yes. um yeah different from my podcast uh my podcast kind of has a few a few uh questionable words words <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but that book is by mark uh, manson and it's these are his ideas on life and coping um and they're not sugar-coated they come from his real experience it's almost like a humor memoir psychology self-help book all in one yeah so it's great it's really it's great to listen to and it's it's great to just take in content i i remember talking to you about this time where everybody's feeling the pressure to be productive and make content but how you also think it's important to take in content and to appreciate consume, other yeah. people's work yeah. and i just agree with you so much on that yeah you can't create if you don't consume. Creators are making us stay sane. I'm telling you. Yes. <laughs> They're helping us. Yeah. And I've been, I've been loving your podcast Instagram. So where can we find that? Oh, that is um, at the Doing Better Podcast. Uh, and wow. that's where I post a lot of things that are, uh, they're actually breathing exercises on there and little gentle reminders uh, that, you know, you don't need, you don't need to be making yourself, uh, weighing yourself down with negative thoughts and there are certain ways that you can try to help yourself uh to get out of those so that my instagram has a lot of uh a lot of tips on how to do that awesome well, thank you yeah yeah thank you thank you for having me on are getting into social media sensations everyone i know you're so excited to see what weird thing me and louise thought was entertaining this week <laughs> louise it is may 1st yes you know what that means justin timberlake justin timberlake for those who don't know what that means this is my social media sensation for the week it's gonna be may it's gonna be may it's gonna be may just the way he says it you know like it's it's so entertaining. It's gonna be May, you know? Sometimes, like, sometimes when a meme comes out, you don't know why it's so good. You just don't know why it's good. And then you just, you watch it over and over and every time it gets better. It's, it's almost like watching The Office, you know? Like, mm. you're like, why does everybody like this show? And then you keep watching and you're like, oh, that's why everybody likes this show. It's, it's the same thing with memes. Sometimes memes are like, this isn't funny. And then the more you look at it, the funnier it gets. So what's your social media sensation? <laughs> so my social media sensation this week is just Animal Crossing in general. So I know, okay, so I know that this is a big topic. We could honestly do an entire show about Animal Crossing because it is such 
a global sensation right now. Um, so basically it's a video game where you basically you have an island and you get a little guy and um, basically make it into whatever you want it to be. So you start out with a tent and there's a bunch of weeds on the island and you gotta, you know, you gotta pull all the weeds and make it pretty and then eventually you can move uh, waterfalls around and you can dig up fossils to put in your museum and you can make the town whatever you want and you get a bunch of cool villagers there to live with you. It's really fun. So it's it's kind of, it's just like a sandbox game where you can, you know, the world is your oyster. The island is your oyster, you know. Every time that you want to upgrade your house or every time you want to build a bridge or something, you go to Tom Nook, who is like the the guy who is who owns the whole Nook Inc. business operation that you're that owns your island, basically. Oh, okay. And so say you want a new room in your house, right? So you go to Tom Nook and you're like, hey, I want a new room in my house. And he's like, cool, I can do that for you, but you got to pay this much. So you're in debt to me at this much. And you're like, awesome. He's like, you can pay it back whenever you want. So that's basically the game is just <laughs> building your house, building your, your village and your island and making it look pretty and paying off your debt, right? But do you actually have to pay off your debt if you can pay it off whenever you want? Yes, but the thing is, the, the catch is that if you want to do build the next building project, you have to pay off your previous debt. Oh. Okay. And then you get more debt. So it's like real life. <laughs> oh, yes. But I have just loved the social media community for Animal Crossing has two sides. So there's one side that's really pure and lovely, and they just like draw fan art and make funny comics and love on the game and show their island to people and people have been holding their graduations and weddings on Animal Crossing um, because you can invite friends over to your island and stuff and that's amazing and it's just been a great um, tool to like stay in touch with people when you're so far away because you can still go visit them. I saw on NPR the other day they had a piece about Animal Crossing where they talked about um, a, a new couple were doing like Animal Crossing dates where the, the guy set up like a little like candlelit uh, table and then invited oh. his new girlfriend over to his island virtually and they like sat there and talked. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, that's romantic. I know. It was, it was cute. And um, so there's that side. It's like really nice um, in Animal Crossing. And then there's the other side of Animal Crossing where people, you know, there's a whole uh, stock market in Animal Crossing based off of turnips. So you can buy turnips one day a week. And then every day, the people that you sell them to, um, it's a different price. So you want to like buy them when they're cheap and then sell them when they're expensive. And people online will like sell their their um, their Nintendo ID codes when they have a low price for people to come over to their island. So there's like turnip price gouging going on in oh. Animal Crossing. So I've just been obsessed with following on Twitter and Instagram what people are doing because you can definitely tell who's in the who's in the good innocent crowd and who's in the naughty crowd. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's um it can be as intense or relaxing as you want. Um some people go really hard and they they time travel in the game cuz the game is based on real time. 
So, like, if you plant a tree, it grows in three days, you know? Oh. Um, and a lot of people, they'll, like, move the clock on their switch so that they can do things faster, you know? So, you can do it that way. You can do it the intense way. But for me, I play it, like, 20 or 30 minutes a day. And it's just, like, a relaxing, nice thing I get to do, you know? Only 20 to 30 minutes? Yeah. You have control. I play cards, like, virtual card games with my Uh fiancé for, like, three hours at a time because there's nothing else to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You have control. I try. But, uh, anyway, I think that's all we have for the show this week. If you missed any part of the show today and you want to go back and listen, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. It's In the Loop with Louise and Yasmin. And you can follow us uh, online at WCRXFM, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to tweet anything at us to talk about on the show, you can uh, tweet at us with the hashtag in the loop on CRX. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. A special thanks to Nick Forsyth and Eva Eig for being such wonderful guests on the show today. Make sure you follow us on social media, that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at WCRXFM. And again, if you missed any part of the show today, you can find In the Loop with Louise and Yasmin wherever you get your podcasts. Stay healthy and see you again next week.